Hello everyone and welcome back. My name is Sam. And I'm Melissa. I grew up in the FLDS community. It is a polygamous group run by Warren Jeffs and I moved out when I was 18 years old. I was raised LDS. Sam and I have been married for almost nine years and have two beautiful kiddos. <laughs> yes, we do. And we are back uh, responding to the, or reviewing the last episode, the third episode of Prisoner of the Prophet, Brielle's story. Yeah, um, if you haven't seen our other two reaction videos, go watch those first because this kind of ties up her story, where she is now, yeah. and gives a lot of insight into what it takes for a woman to leave, which is a lot. Jeez. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, it's, uh, it's tough on everyone, but especially the women, and especially someone in Brielle's case that was so closely entangled in all of the Warren Jeff stuff that it just was very, very difficult for her. Being the 65th wife of Warren Jeff, she obviously knew a lot of secrets, and at the end of the second episode, it was talking about the fact that like they were instructing her to kill herself, and if she didn't, they were going to murder her and make it look like a suicide. So um, she's scared for her life. At this point, she's in South Dakota, mm. and Warren Jeffs told her brother that he was her new caretaker and was sent to go live back in Short Creek. And this brother, she talks about just how traumatic all of it was because this brother in particular had molested her at a young age, and just the fact that he was the one that was picking her up, he was very angry at her, she felt very, very unsafe. It wasn't like your family going and picking you up and like saving you from this awful situation that you've been in. Um, they even mentioned that in the six years that she lived in that house in South Dakota, she had tried to escape 10 times. Yeah. And the caretakers kept bringing her back, kept bringing her back. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting point that you bring up about not feeling safe around family. And that was because the family that still followed Warren Jeffs they would do whatever he told them to do. It wasn't about who's family, who's related, who's not related. It's all about what does Warren want us to do, and that's what we're going to do. And she knew that she wasn't in the, a good place with Warren Jeffs. Mm -hmm. And then being put with this brother that she already was afraid of, and, you know, I mean, it was just, I can't imagine. So much like trauma after trauma after trauma. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. So very difficult for her. And she even said she talked about like her family picking Warren over her. Mm -hmm. um, and she kind of felt like that had been that way her whole life. Like even when she did have the incident where she was molested at eight, you know, her mother like blamed her. Like it's always been her fault, everything that's happened to her and that all the trauma in her life is her fault, which when you hear all that, it is so sad and so heartbreaking, but it just is another example of how the women are blamed for everything. Yeah. You know, like in even in the revelations, like a woman's in charge of making sure that her husband doesn't falter. But if he does, you can't tell anyone because if then you'd be telling on your priesthood holder instead of lifting and him he's up. In, and he's in charge of you, yes. Yeah, so it's like no matter what they do, the women in this community are the scapegoats and they're the ones who always get blamed for everything basically. Yeah. It's so frustrating. So sad. So sad to see what they have been put through and then being blamed for things that they were forced to do, right? I mean it just it just makes no sense and it's very infuriating. Yeah. So she's back in Short Creek and she gets um, put in a trailer to live in with, with, her, her, brother. with her brother. And yeah. um, she had mentioned that her brother's wife was there as well because her escape was, you know, she said she was locked in a room. 
Um, they had flipped the locks around so it locked from the outside instead of from the inside. And her brother had come in and put screws in the window so the windows wouldn't open. And he left for work and she was... Uh, she found a pair of scissors and she was working on the screws and the first screw like came out the second one was really hard she just started banging on it and she knew that her sister-in-law was going to hear and she could hear her sister-in-law on the phone with her brother mm. so she's like in panic mode of knowing she doesn't have very long before he's going to come back and do who knows what to her as punishment for trying to escape but she was able to get out and and before before she was able to get out and escape this specific situation her father and one of her was it her sister mm -hmm. uh came and basically said their goodbyes to her mm -hmm. so she was in fear for her life knowing that i mean these people that still follow warren jeffs are coming and saying all right well we will remember you we'll, you know we you know and we'll remember the good things about you things like that that made it seem like something that her life was coming to an end in some way or another and that's what they told her the entire time like in South Dakota too, right? Yeah. Like she wasn't being obedient. She kept trying to run away. She yeah. knew that Warren just wanted her dead because she knew too much of yeah. the heavenly sessions and these other horrible things that were happening and she had seen it and he doesn't want her story to be told. So her escaping through this window was a matter of life and life or death in her mind. Absolutely. And she said she stayed off the main roads this time. Um, and as she was just running as fast as she could through Short Creek, she saw somebody who wasn't dressed like the FLDS, who was like meditating in her backyard. And luckily this lady was like, do you need help? Like what's going on? And reached out to um, Kristen Decker with the Hope Foundation, um, which is a foundation that helps people who are trying to leave abuse in um, polygamous communities. So luckily this lady living out there already knew who to call and they took her, um, and about 40 minutes away into a different city. But they said like the very next day, all the cops in Short Creek were looking for her. All the members were looking for her. Everybody was trying to find her. So she, she was being hunted basically. Oh, yeah. And they tried to cut her hair and get her normal clothes. But when Kristen Decker talks about it, she's like, yeah, we had to like make sure as we're walking around, we're like avoiding the chance of seeing anybody else that was FLDS in fear that they would recognize her and try to take her back or let people know where she was. So super, super scary. They can't yeah. go to the cops because all the cops in Short Creek, you know, most people in the outside world, like if you're in a super dangerous situation, my first thought would be to try to find some kind of law enforcement, right? Like right. find the cops, find you the fire department, find some kind of um, government person and they're going to take me where I can be safe. And so to think that she already knew she couldn't go the cops because everyone in not the police the ones, force not to the ones that were in short creek at least because they were all following warren jeffs as well and what he told them to do how it's interesting how not interesting it's crazy <laughs> how it kind of came full circle because growing up out there we were always taught to fear and, and to avoid outsiders mm -hmm. and then she rushed to an outsider because she felt safe because this person wasn't dressed like the FLDS. That's just so crazy in my mind that that, that had to get to that point. Yeah, it was super, super sad. I mean, they were talking about the fact that she'd just been through so much trauma and she would have these PTSD episodes where she would just start walking and she would disassociate and not know what was going on and they couldn't find her, like the people that were trying to help her and just how difficult, like, 
and dark those times were and I thought it was really cool that she asked to be adopted as an adult mm. and um, said that the reason that they did that was so that when she would wander off in law enforcement or she would end up at you know um, a hospital or any of those things nobody was allowed to give any information to the people who were trying to help her and take care of her the Deckers and so by legally adopting her then when things would happen they had the right to be able to know what was going on with her take care of her get her out of those situations so I was like that's super smart and she was able to change her name and be able to kind of just start fresh with her life yeah sometimes that's necessary <laughs> you know to yeah. just not not forget about the past you know I mean even her she had some good things in her past, you know. I mean, she she'll even mention that uh, she really did think that her mom or mother really cared about her and loved her, and that she was just trapped in a situation. And I I know I know that feeling, and I feel the same way about my mother. That I know she loves me and would love to be with me, but she's trapped in the situation that doesn't allow her to do that. But but because of that, because though there's a lot of good and and love in our family uh, growing up in the FLDS and those that still follow Warren Jeffs it's it, it seems like they're a, a million miles away in a different life almost because they're not allowed to be a part of our life now and so like she just needed a fresh start she needed a new family to rely on and someone to, to help her through life yeah because like she said like at the end of the day no matter how much you know and Sam can attest this no matter how much you know they love you they're going to pick Warren Jeffs over you every time because that's how firm their beliefs are. She even said that um, one of the times in the hospital, the last thing she heard from her mother was a message and it was a letter and all it said was, I care. And she knew that like the mothers will get punished. Again, mothers easily get blamed for just about anything and everything and they can truly get punished. She's like, she would lose her other children. She'd lose her grandchildren. Her entire life would fall apart if she was talking to an apostate, if they talk to their children, it comes with potentially huge consequences, even just talking to, let alone associating with in any way, um, their children that have left. Yeah. After she had left, so, and was, you know, going through all those different things, she did meet her husband. I thought it was so sweet that she kept talking about him as being really gentle. Mm. And I thought that was such a sweet word, like what an awesome word that you would want in a partner, like that he was gentle. Something that she most certainly needed at this point in her life after never everything that she had been through. Uh -huh. Experienced someone being gentle. So that was really beautiful hearing that she found somebody and is happily married. Um, going into the Dream Center and um, her vision for what she ended up doing, we have to give a little bit of background and it's interesting that we actually do have some insight on the UEP, United Effort Plan, and the Trust. So they talk about, and I'm going to do it a little bit out of order from what they did in the show, but just I feel like this order kind of rolls a little bit better. But mm -hmm. what was happening is because the United Effort Plan had control, the church had control of everybody's properties, right? Because then Warren was able to have people move on a dime. He could take people's homes away, not just their families, all those, all those things. Um, when the government found out that he was abusing that, they took it away. And one of the, the main reason why they ended up taking it away was because he had told everyone not to pay their property taxes. Yep. And 
they kind of mentioned in here that it was, you know, all the FLDS were in charge of this and then it got given to the XFLDS. And that was a huge deal. And we were, we were married when that happened and there were huge opportunities for people to move back. Like we talked about it and debated it, whether or not we wanted to move back. It was a little too far away from where we currently lived for it to work for us. But um, when they say like you would put in an application and like, you would say, this is, you know, this is the home that I worked on or I put in labor because all of the people put in labor on the homes. Do you want to explain like how that worked? Yeah. Well, I mean, as a community, yes, Warren owned everything because of the way the trust was set up. So he would, he could take things away or give things to people as far as where to live and, and all of that. But we would often as a community help with whether it was building a house or or fixing a house or doing something in the community, we were always, as a community, working together and doing this. So if a neighbor down the street needed some help on a Saturday, we would all show up as a community and, and do whatever it was that that person needed. And so as throughout the years, we all had a huge part in helping build up the community. Mm -hmm. So we, we all had a lot of uh, effort put into those homes but some more than others, right? I mean, for, for my own personal house, I did a lot more work around the yard and, and uh, for the home than I would at the neighbor's house because, you know, it was our personal home that we were helping or we were trying to improve. So, you know, but throughout the, throughout the years, everyone, almost everyone had some part in building up the community. Yeah, and it was interesting because when the UEP got taken away from the church to begin with, the government was coming in and saying, listen, you guys need to pay your back taxes. And Warren just specifically told everybody, do not pay any money to the government. This isn't their right. This is our land. This is our property. And we even went out there when all this was going on and people were getting evicted. They were getting all these notices like you need to pay your back taxes. But they were, again, they were choosing between what they believed was God's law for Warren Jess and man's law. And they were choosing Warren Jeffs, and there were huge encampments and huge tents. I think I have a picture somewhere. But, like, and when we went out there, it was insane. Behind these, like, gates and walls, Behind there were the just walls. huge white tents yep. um, where they were putting all these people who were being displaced from their homes. And they, of course, were saying that they were being persecuted. Like, oh, we're being kicked out of our homes. These are our homes. We're being kicked out. Well, they weren't following the law. And... Warren Jeffs was causing this upon them, right? And so it was really sad to see all the people be displaced and have to move and leave their homes. Yeah. And then on the other hand of it, the ex-FLDS, anybody who had left, or they didn't even have to leave. That was another thing too. It wasn't a religious decision. It was if you're willing to pay your taxes, then you can live then here. You can live here. Yeah. And um, they talk about that in the video. So they would go to the UEP, office building. We've been there many a times. You go there, you put in an application, you say, I worked, I lived in this home for this many years. I worked on it. I put sweat equity and they would let you just pay the back taxes. And I can't remember, it was like a small amount per square foot, but I mean Can, tiny. I think right. it was like $10 a square foot or something. I don't remember the exact amount, but it, it was, was very small, small considering the size of the property. Yeah. Very small. Like I said, it was a very small per square foot and the back taxes. And then they were giving these homes and letting people like own their homes back basically, which yeah. was super awesome to see a lot of people 
from the, the FLDS community that had already left, like and moved to St. George or Hurricane or these surrounding areas, um, a lot of them went back and oh, reclaimed yeah. old homes. It's and, and a lot of them are going back and trying to kind of rebuild the community to, to make it look nicer and better. And there's still a long ways to go, but I, I we've seen improvement already, and uh, I think good things are happening now. So yeah, and that's kind of where Brielle um, she put in an application and claimed Warren Jeff's home. And the because she- The big mansion. The huge yeah. mansion. And because she had lived in the home before, she was Warren Jeff's previous wife. And then, um, which gave her like that equity into the home and she was able to get the home. Yeah. And I think it's really cool that she got to a point where especially through all the trauma that she went through, um, Mrs. Decker was talking about the fact that she was like, is this a good idea for you to like get the home that has all this trauma attached to it and she was like i want to change it into a positive and so she did and she turned it into the dream center which is yep. still there today short creek dream center mm -hmm. helping lots of people actually that are going through these similar uh, traumatic experiences yeah they said that they help about 200 people that are in abusive situations every single year um obviously if you've ever been to short creek or if you haven't let me just describe uh, this is like a compound like when we say warren jeff's home it is massive. It he would have huge. like what twenty to thirty it's, wives and all of those children in a time. Yeah, and now it's a lot more of an open concept. They've taken down parts of the wall and that yeah. type of you thing. You can drive by and see it now. Yeah, you can see how huge it is. And I, I believe they give tours at some. I don't know exactly how that works, but I've heard of people that were able to go out there and, and tour it. And, tour or volunteer. Or volunteer, yeah. But back in the day when Warren was living there, these walls were completely surrounding the in, the entire Jeff's compound. And it was really tall walls, brick walls. You couldn't see through them. Uh, you had to get permission to get in through the gate. And there were security cameras. It was very much like a prison yeah, and back it was, in the it's day. It's almost like a whole block, isn't it? Oh, From one street to the other? It's at least a block. If you can, if you, yes, it's at least one block. And there's like multiple buildings, so that even just the main building is massive on its own. Mm -hmm. And then there's like another separate building behind it as well. So it's just massive. If you ever go to Short Creek, drive by it. Now you can see it more openly. It's one on the chimney that says pray and obey, so you really can't miss it. Um, but very, very cool that she created this dream center to really be able to give back to the community. And she had talked about before, and it's very, very common, that it's so much harder for women to leave because they have no resources, right? Or, and a lot of them don't have any skills either. Like when exactly. Sam left, he had no money, but he was good at construction and could go get a job right away, right? Um, but these women don't even have that most of the time. And when she left, she said she didn't even have her ID. They'd taken everything away from her. Right. And she was like, I just want to give a place where people can leave and they can have somewhere to go. And and, really cool. and have people there that know what they're going through to help mm -hmm. them through the process and know which steps to take and all of that. So it's, uh, it's I haven't specifically personally talked with Brielle. Maybe, maybe now is the time that we reach out. Um, but that's... We do want to learn more about this place, but the Dream Center, based on what we've heard, we've does, heard lots of good does seem like a very great organization in, for helping people that need it. And it's um, nice that it's so local to the community. It's right there in the heart of the community, too. So yeah. really awesome. But that's, I mean, that really kind of wraps up her story. That's what she's doing now, helping people that 
are in the same situation that she was in. Yeah, and there was a lot more in this episode, uh, which if you if you just watched it, you will know that talked about Warren and and him going to prison and all of that stuff. But we've talked about that before, and it's so in every it's in every other documentary. <laughs> so we wanted to focus on Brielle and her story specifically. Yeah, and just the hope that she gives. Yeah, I feel like you know she said that at the end that she hopes that her story just gives hope to people, and I feel like. It totally does. Just the fact that you can overcome all of that, something so traumatic, and still make such a positive difference in the world is just super yeah. beautiful. So, yes, so that sums it up. <laughs> if you want to hear more of what it was like for Sam to grow up in polygamy, please like and subscribe, and we'll talk to y'all soon. Thank you all. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs>